Sam Tracy. And I'm Sarah Merrigan. And thanks for tuning in to Season 5 of This Week in Drugs, the leading podcast on all things drugs, including policy, science, culture, and so much more. This show is produced by Twid Media, whose members are all alumni of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, an awesome nonprofit working to end the war on drugs. We also produce a weekly email newsletter and have some other exciting projects on the way. You can check them all out on our website, thisweekindrugs.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. And now it's time for the weekly news and forecast, where Sarah and I are going to talk about some of the biggest drug news stories from the last week and a couple exciting things that are coming up. But before diving into that, just a quick shout out to our sponsor, which is listeners like you. Uh, as you know, we've got a Patreon page, just patreon.com twid, where you can sign up to give us a small monthly contribution to support our work and help pay our bills. So we've got 13 people on there. Thank you so much to those who already uh, subscribe and uh Thank you so much to everyone who will uh, become a Patreon supporter this coming week. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now, Sarah, do you want to dive into the first big story? Yeah, absolutely. This one is one of the more interesting things I've read in a while. Um, It comes to us from the UK. And Mm -hmm. this is about Robert Carroll, who was a former police officer. Um, He worked, started working undercover. He worked for the Greater Manchester Police which I guess is important to establish in the beginning Mm -hmm. here. Um, And in 2009, February of 2009, he began working undercover. And the goal or the object um, of his his mission, whatever you want to call it, uh, Mm -hmm. was to identify the people in this neighborhood who were dealing drugs and potentially make test purchases from them. And so he worked... um, doing that job from February to November for about nine months in 2009. Mm -hmm. And then he was transferred back to, quote, normal duties, things that he'd been doing before that likely didn't involve any kind of undercover, that type of on-the-street interaction. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, in 2012, he was suspended from duty after allegations against him were investigated. And I couldn't find anywhere what those allegations explicitly were but the next year in november of 13 after everything was finished the investigation was finished he pled guilty to theft and misconduct in public office and so here's where we get things get really interesting Mm -hmm. this last week uh friday actually 11 court of appeals ruled that he is allowed to continue seeking damages against the chief constable of the Greater Manchester Police, who he was working for, uh, mm-hmm. because he claims that they are liable for the heroin addiction that he had developed after working undercover. Oh, okay, wow. So he's saying back in 2009, he was working undercover, became addicted to heroin, and that was the cause of the theft and misconduct that he was then fired for in 2013. Yes. Wow. And he um, and the judge has said, well, the police have said that they don't think it's a strong case, that there is really not much to back it up. Um, but the mm-hmm. court ruled, they're claiming he wasn't addicted to heroin at all or, that, is, or just that it's not their fault. I think more along the lines of it's not their fault, although that isn't okay. perfectly clear to me. But I'm not sure yeah. how you could really claim that someone wasn't addicted to hair that seems like an interesting thing Mm -hmm. to try and prove in a court of law (laughs) um 
But basically the judge said that, you know, regardless of how strong they think the case is, there's no way to tell unless the evidence is presented. And so he's allowing things. So they're just moving it forward. Yep. He's allowing things to move forward. But I just found this incredibly interesting. Yeah. And I guess this is something I hadn't thought about too much before because I don't know, hearing from undercover cops and stuff, it's so frequent that they make buys and everything. But sometimes if you're trying to infiltrate a group, um, I would assume that you would have to engage in drug use. I've always thought about it with marijuana and just like, oh, yeah, maybe cops get clearance for consuming marijuana on the job if they're like trying to be undercover. Mm -hmm. But then for something like heroin that's incredibly addictive, I don't know what the policies would be. I assume they're probably different in the U.S. and the U.K. as well. But yeah, if if you're actually doing that as part of your job, (laughs) then you have to have some sort of support when you get out. Yeah. Cool. But basically, the judge just kind of wrapped things up by saying that um, they were going to look into what uh, Mr. Carroll's lawyer called vicarious liability and look into the, the complaint that was actually filed um, alleged negligence and a breach of regulations. So those are the things mm-hmm. that I guess he could really complain about and have investigated um so we'll definitely keep mm-hmm. people updated on this this saga it seems yeah i think this would be really interesting to keep tabs on and if any of our listeners are undercover police officers or have been or know about the policies regarding that we'd love to hear from you about if and when and what kind of policies are around using drugs while on the job in those cases yes please And so for my first big story this week is a huge one that I think is really interesting and could have some really massive implications for the rights of both medical marijuana patients and gun owners, specifically for people who want to be both of those. So last week, the Honolulu Police Department sent out letters to medical marijuana patients who are also registered gun owners telling them they had 30 days to turn in any firearms they owned because their medical marijuana use disqualifies them from legal ownership. The police cited a state law as their justification for this, not federal law, but the state law just says, and I'll just quote it in its entirety, no person who is a fugitive from justice or is a person prohibited from possessing firearms or ammunition under federal law shall own, possess, or control any firearm or ammunition therefore. (laughs) And so basically Hawaii has a law saying like caving or, or like saying the federal government law just applies automatically and i think the idea here can't tell if they're saying marijuana patients are a fugitive from justice which i guess could technically be true in a certain way since they're breaking federal law i don't know exactly if you how technical of a legal term fugitive is there but uh also you're not technically and to the best of my knowledge you're not prohibited from possessing a firearm but you're prohibited from buying one because it, the way that it works is that when you purchase a firearm you there's this federal form you have to fill out that you have to check all these boxes saying i don't have uh felony convictions i don't have uh, a restraining order and one of the things is i'm not a user of or addicted to and then a list of drugs and that includes marijuana and and it also has a catch-all any illegal drug and so people need to check this off when they purchase one so in a way 
Um, you're not. You're definitely not allowed to purchase a gun. But it, it's an interesting thing because this has never happened before. Because many states don't have a registry for their medical marijuana programs, and many don't have a registry for gun owners. There's only a small number where it intersects, and Hawaii is the first one where they don't have privacy protections. Um, other states have re- registries like Massachusetts, but police can't access them for reasons outside of regulating the program. So <laughs> this is an interesting one, and it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what players start getting involved here. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, an article here, and it quotes Carl Bergquist, who's the executive director of the Drug Policy Forum of Hawaii. And he mm-hmm. pretty much sums up exactly what my reaction was. He says, quote, why be so concerned about complying with this part of federal law when the whole program violates it? Right. <laughs> it does seem so strange to be saying, like turning not a blind eye, but accepting the fact that there are people selling marijuana, which is incredibly illegal under federal law Mm -hmm. and then saying the people buying it but like oh yeah you guys can't have firearms yeah i mean hawaii's had so many problems with getting their dispensaries set up and and just all of these logistic things and you know they're so it seems Mm -hmm. like they're very invested in having a a legitimate quote medicinal market and that's fine but yeah i don't know how this fits in how you how you pick out the puzzle pieces that that you think don't fit your mm-hmm. your idea of this legitimate program i guess yeah and and it is so interesting too because i'm i'm just so curious for a long time there's been talk about this issue uh, and before it's been mostly just there was one test case where a woman i think basically showed her medical marijuana card to someone while she was purchasing a gun and they stopped her from purchasing it and uh that that did get held up in court um or upheld, uh, but we haven't seen something like this before. So I'm really curious if you know the NRA and these other uh, gun rights groups who have so far been totally silent on this issue are going to come out. There are some local uh, kind of state affiliates of different organizations that are starting to look at this, uh, but the NRA is, of course, the big one. So we'll see if they actually end up doing anything about this. Yes, I can't. I know we're moving on to the next story, but I can't help being reminded of the... Uh stereotypic the, the stereotypes of the libertarian uh wanting to allowing mm-hmm. gay people to get married and protect their marijuana plants with their guns mm-hmm. yeah so libertarians <laughs> you got to step up on this one to make that dream a reality exactly so our next story um is from vermont and the county or the state's attorney in chittenden county and i really hope i said that right i'm sorry mm-hmm. guys Uh, But the state's attorney there, Sarah George, announced uh, this week that she supports supervised injection facilities. And this is a huge step for Vermont because she, um, as as recently as like last February, this this February of 2017, so within the last year, she had been opposed and was not particularly supportive, didn't think that there was much merit to the sites. Um, but the state put together a commission and, you know, as, as legislators tend to do, they put together a body to study this and look into it and mm-hmm. collect all the research that's already been done. It already exists. <laughs> and in this case, it actually worked out really well. Um, when she was asked what changed her mind, she stated that she was presented with, quote, an overwhelming amount of research that demonstrated 
the fact that these facilities can save lives. And so when she was talking to the press um, about her, you know, shift in attitude and what that sort of means for everything going forward, because it's worth pointing out the county um, that she's in is Vermont's largest county. It's home to Burlington. Mm-hmm. It's where, you know, if things oh, are going okay, to happen, yeah. it, it's where sort of the catalyst lives, of change, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but she was she was pretty straightforward and said, I'm confident that this will save people's lives and that's good enough for me. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, this is one of the more positive stories maybe we've talked about in a while, but because it's so refreshing to see an official like that go from being mm-hmm. opposed and not really in favor of something to looking at all of this research and saying, oh, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. I'm willing to change my opinion. This is This seems like it's a really good thing. I support this. Um, yeah, definitely. And or actually, before diving into response, audio check has been having a bunch of loudness. Are you recording using your headphones and holding the one that has your mic on it? Because when that was moving around, can you tap that for a second? Like, this yeah, is, it's recording off of that. This? Or that's what I can hear at least. So maybe your recording is fine, hopefully, because that's okay. recording with your mic. Yeah. Okay. I think that had just fallen off and was like rubbing or something. So oh. it sounded like there was a lot of interference. To Should me, I redo that? Mm, or will it be fine on my as end? Long, it'll be fine. It, I think it should be fine in the recording okay. since it's not recording on that, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep it in. Okay. Cool. Um, um, okay. But then we were on two minutes. So I'll. But yeah, definitely, because this is really interesting to see that someone actually listened to a report and changed their mind, because it's so easy to get frustrated by all of these commissions and task forces and everything, because so often they just get ignored when they come out with something that people don't like. Because, I mean, going all the way back to Richard Nixon and all all presidents back in the, the 70s and 80s who'd commissioned these reports who would frequently say, I mean, talking about marijuana specifically, that, hey, this shouldn't be criminalized. It's nowhere near as dangerous as all these other drugs, uh, the, the Schaefer Commission. Um, and then they just kind of get buried and not listened to. Uh, but this time they commissioned a report. They found a bunch of evidence. They read it and they changed their mind, which is fantastic. Exactly. And I think it's especially exciting sort of going into next year and the legislative session because there were proposals um, in January that the legislature put out for supervised injection facilities, but they stalled. There wasn't a lot of momentum. Um, The governor is still hasn't publicly fully taken a position. He says he's willing to be swayed. Um, But the fact that the state's attorney of the biggest county in Vermont has thrown her weight behind this seems to be a very Mm -hmm. good sign moving forward into the legislative session. So we will keep folks updated. Yeah. And that's surprising, too, just given that it's uh, that the Republican governor said that he's willing to be swayed on this because he's also he may be the first governor to sign marijuana legalization into law um, next year because that's already been passed by the legislature and they just have to work out their compromise. But it's so interesting if if Vermont both legalizes marijuana through the legislature and legalizes SIFs next year, that would be a pretty epic drug policy reform year for state legislature. Pack your bags and move into Vermont. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and so for our final big story this week um it's partly you know about the the news event itself but partly (laughs) about the story as well um and it's that this past thursday cnbc they published a big expose entitled this startup raised millions to sell brain hacking pills but its own study found coffee works better uh so it's you know pretty challenging to the company um pretty much trying to say that it's all a sham basically and the article said as much but in kind of uh, much nicer words and it's about a, this company which is it's called human it's spelled with an all caps h-v-m-n um but pronounced human it's a san francisco startup if you couldn't have guessed and it sells nootropics and for those unfamiliar nootropics there it's a broad term which refers to drugs designed to enhance memory or other cognitive functions and it can include things as common as caffeine but also includes many less commonly known compounds uh, vitamins and other kind of supplements and human and many other companies too i'm sure they're selling proprietary blends which they claim work much better than you know just a cup of coffee but in an attempt to prove that their products were effective they ran a clinical trial against a placebo and caffeine and as the headline says caffeine actually outperformed their special blend in a majority of areas so cnbc they obtained a copy of the study before it was published and also some emails between executives from the company human and the researchers which the journalist kind of portrays as them kind of discrediting the results or trying to distance themselves from it um instead of keeping one of the names of the products they wanted to kind of give it a little bit of like a serial number name so that it's a little less connected to what they're selling um but yeah it's an interesting one because there's a lot to talk about here both about you know how these are regulated how much hype there is right now and um what direction this industry is going to move in in the next few years yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by nootropics and and smart mm-hmm. drugs and, and all of that. But I got to say that the headline. I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it. The headline is just very uh, stark and almost mm-hmm. clickbaity with the the brain hacking oh, yeah. pills, and it makes it sound almost mm-hmm. almost sinister. Like you're you know you're you're hacking your brain, and it's not natural, mm-hmm. and and this and that. And yeah. Although to be fair, the I think a lot of that framing is actually from the company because they're so like San Francisco um, startup that they're they they talk about this as in a really sensational way Mm -hmm. because they have these like big picture talks where they're talking about how they believe their product is like humanity's ammunition against artificial intelligence because it's going to have you. Um, be so much more productive that you'll be able to compete for with robots that are like trying to steal your job okay. like that kind of stuff and they there's a lot of hype here <laughs> and so I think it is like a very um, them getting what was coming to them in a way Fair. but I do want to say also like I, I think they do deserve some props for trying to do clinical trials mm-hmm. to prove the effectiveness because that's not even required they just have to since they're regulated as a supplement they just have to prove that it's safe not that it's effective yeah so at least they're trying but yeah maybe not succeed i think the, the whole regulation thing about proving effect efficacy versus safety is a whole nother whole nother week something we could talk about for an entire episode probably but uh mm-hmm. yeah i think this is interesting and it has it, it will definitely have implications on the future of, of nootropics. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we'll be keeping an eye on this. They put out a blog post in response to the article saying that they're doing a lot more research. So we'll be seeing if maybe some of those future studies have different results. And before uh, diving into our quick hit headlines, then just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. Join them at patreon.com slash twit. If you've listened to This Week in Drugs before, you know that we have a 30-second commercial each week, which helps cover the cost of producing the show. But that's not our biggest source of funding. The big majority of our money comes from listeners like you, who sign up to support our work with a small monthly contribution. At patreon.com slash twid, you can get some great perks for as little as $1 a month. This money helps us pay our bills, like web hosting and audio production software, so that we can keep creating great content for you to listen to each week. Again, that's patreon.com slash twid. We appreciate your support. For our first quick hit headline, during the Thursday afternoon press briefing, the acting secretary of health and human services announced that the president would be donating his third quarter salary to quote, the planning and design of a large scale public awareness campaign about the dangers of opioids. A new Harris poll commissioned by the Property Casualty Insurers Association of America, a bit of a mouthful, uh, found that more Americans think it's dangerous to use social media or texting while driving than to drive under the influence of marijuana. However, it's not a very big gap. Uh, 99% of respondents said it's dangerous to use social media while driving, while 91% said it's dangerous to be under the influence of marijuana. It's worth pointing out that studies have repeatedly found that texting while driving is about twice as dangerous as marijuana impairment. And following up on a story from a few months ago, the Asian network of people who use drugs announced this week that Apple finally removed games in their app store seen as promoting President Duterte's war on drugs in the Philippines. Awesome. And prosecutors in Massachusetts have announced that about 7,500 drug cases are going to be dismissed due to the involvement of former chemist Sonia Farak, who was found to have been stealing drugs from evidence for over a decade. This is separate from the 21,839 cases dismissed due to Massachusetts chemist Annie Dukin, who was discovered to be signing off on tests as positive without actually conducting them. Right. And now, moving into our weekly forecast, mine is looking a little bit ahead here. Um, we've talked about, we've definitely talked about the National Institute of Drug Abuse um, and their National Drug and Alcohol Facts Week before. and. I hope at least some of our listeners know that that's not typically until the last week of January. But registration opened this week for the 11th annual Drugs and Alcohol Chat Day, where teens from the first 100 high schools that register uh, can web chat all day with scientists and ask them questions about drugs. So it's like I said, it's limited to the first 100 high schools the register and so it sounds like you do have to register as an institution um but i think this is mm-hmm. a really great opportunity for some of our younger listeners to get involved and we will definitely um be keeping people updated on when this gets closer um what some of the themes are and what groups like students for sensible drug policy have planned yeah, if any of our high school chapters of SSDP are listening, you should get your high school to participate and mention SSDP on the call and ask them why it's drugs and alcohol instead of alcohol and other drugs. 
Thank you. I wasn't going to point it out this time, (laughs) but you did. Always have to. Got to be said. (laughs) But for my forecast this week, it's a much bigger one that just happening over the next few months. uh, And it's that India's parliament will be considering a bill that would regulate both cannabis and opium. It's introduced by Member of Parliament Dharamvir Gandhi, and it wouldn't regulate the drugs like alcohol for recreational consumption, but it would legalize the cultivation and usage of both for medicinal purposes. Currently, both are illegal throughout India, but the use of cannabis and opium is widespread, particularly in the more rural parts of the country where it's commonly farmed. Well, that is it for this week. But before we wrap things up, we want to thank our sponsor, which, like Sam said earlier, is listeners like you, and particularly the listeners who are supporting us on Patreon, all 13 of you. So big, big thanks to you folks, and a big thanks to those of you who will hopefully be signing up this week as well. And that's all. We'll catch you next week. again for listening to season five of This Week in Drugs, hosted by Sam Tracy and me, Sarah Merrigan, and produced by Chris Harris. If you liked this episode, please be sure to subscribe so that new episodes will be sent straight to you. If you really liked this episode, you can help other people discover us by writing a quick review in iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you absolutely love this episode and want to support our work, you can make a one-time contribution using PayPal, become a monthly supporter on Patreon, or even sponsor an episode. For links to those and to learn more about our other projects, head on over to thisweekindrugs.org.